0: Hi, moms, Genevieve here. Welcome to Mom Talk 200 episode. First and foremost, a heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you who has been part of this incredible journey. Your support, feedback, and connection mean the world to us. A massive shout out to my two phenomenal co hosts, Becca and Heather, for being a big part of the driving force behind the magic of Mom Talk. Now, brace yourself for something truly special. In honor of our 200th episode, we're diving deep into a topic that resonates with every parent. Today, we are going to be talking about what do we do when our child experiences big feelings and emotions with the one and only Dr. Deborah McNamara. Hi, ladies, and let's dive into our 200th episode with my first question for you, Deborah. What do we do when our child experiences big feelings and emotions?
1: Yes, well, this is the uh, million dollar, actually $10 million question. Um, First of all, what is an emotion? An emotion is a chemical, physical, biological response in a child uh, as a result, and in us as well, uh, as a result to some sort of sensory stimuli internally, externally, your emotions are messengers of information to the brain that something is going on in your environment. the brain's job is to sort through those emotions, the ones that are most important, and then give a name to them. And that's what we call feelings. So emotions or feelings are different. Emotions and feelings are different. They're not the same. Feelings are the words that we give to the arousal that we have in our body. So why did and why are all mammal species built with a sophisticated emotional system? It's a good question. Because it's a communication system. It's a communication system that doesn't rely on words, which is much more sophisticated and would require a lot of development. Think about how your children's words unfold. We'd be waiting a long time if we didn't have an emotional system to try to make sense of what their cries meant, their temper tantrums meant, their clinginess meant. Their emotions are communicating messages. Emotions are not problems. They're trying to solve them. So first of all, how we look at emotion really matters, because if we see that as a communication in our child then our then what we do is from that place my child is trying something's not working for my child it might have nothing to do with what you're doing it's just what's in their environment or inside of them they might be getting sick hungry tired whatever it is and so the first thing that we need to do is pay attention pay attention what's going on okay you've got my system on alert now how do i make sense of this you might not figure it all out in the moment Um, But we do oftentimes have to make a response in the moment, especially if some of the behavior is egregious or difficult, you know, and and so part of it is responding to the child, but also giving yourself some time to think, okay, what's stirring them up? What do they need? Uh, For sure, they will need contact and closeness. It doesn't mean you put yourself you know, in harm's way, or you don't put yourself in the line of fire, you might need to, you know, take some stuff away from them, but they need contact and closeness. I'm here, you're, you know, big feelings, you're having a hard time. You might need to name those feelings, they just probably need to express them. And that's true of most emotions that are coming out of us, is they need some sort of safe expression. And so uh, you know, kids three to zero to three will have some sort of physical or rag grunts and growls and kicks and hits. And some of them, some of you have biters, Ooh, biting so hard. It's just, any nobody likes to be bit, especially other children. So that's difficult, but they'll have some sort of physical manifestation, but by three and four, they'll have some sort of verbal manifestation. I hate you poo-poo face. You're not my mom anymore. Um, you're bad, whatever it is. I don't love you. You're not invited to my birthday party um i just you know there's all sorts of things kids can say and so it takes a verbal turn at age four and then by age five to seven they have a little bit more tempering and self-control hopefully if brain development's unfolding well and then they'll be able to probably find their words a little bit more they might not react as poorly but this whole span especially in the first seven years of life they're very untempered they can switch between emotions really quickly Um, They can have a whole range of emotions, some of them might be very problematic, some of them aren't. So what do we do when our kids have emotions? Uh, We hold on like you do in a roller coaster, and you you do no harm and you um, don't add to it, you don't make it worse, like, oh, I see you're frustrated, so let me take away your iPad now. Okay, that might make them a little bit more frustrated, or I don't want to be with you any, you know, more, or I'm done with you. Okay, well, that will increase the emotional problem as well. So big feelings are messages. How do we pay attention to it? How do we lead through it? How do we um, not create more problems as a result of it? And how do we also be patient and wait and guide maturity along? Because there's a natural answer that's coming down the road here. Um, So how do we get there is the other part of that question.
0: Wow, yeah, there's so many questions when, when that's happening. Um, you know, when emotions are so big and you have such big feelings and everything, you know, I i am hearing you that to kind of stay calm and, and be patient. But, you know, how how can we respond to to our kids and how do we show up for our kids um, during those times? Um, do you have any any tips on that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what I what I would offer is is some just ways to look at it. And you're right, when they are stirred up, and the bigger they are stirred up, it's you don't always know, you can be blindsided, you might think everyone's having a great day, you're getting out the door to work and boom, something just comes out of the blue. So um, excuse me, it is tricky, right? And there's no magic to this. If it were easy, we wouldn't keep talking about it because we would have solved it. So it is difficult. And I think we have to be patient with that um and and to be patient with ourselves but I mean the general idea here is that emotion seeks expression it needs to come out so the more you say cut it out be calm um I can't handle that you're not allowed to feel that way you know think positive what you're essentially saying is don't have an emotion which makes the emotion bigger because it has to get louder to communicate the message so first thing out of the gate some form of expression that you can, that is appropriate to the situation without repercussion to the relationships, particularly yours. If you, you know, our big job is not to take everything so personally, don't have to make everything a teaching moment. You know, the first time my daughter said she didn't love me, I don't have to believe that. You know, I'm not going to take that to heart. I don't need to remind her about everything I do for her. I mean, it's just like, okay, where that's where we're at, you're frustrated. So that's the second part of it is acknowledge it, you know, sorry. allow for the expression. Don't try to clam that up. If you do, you're gonna create a bigger situation if they're in a restaurant and they decide this is the time for they're gonna they're upset their emotional system maybe you need to leave you know maybe you need to no this isn't working i'm going to take you we'll go for a walk we'll come back don't worry you'll get your food but no we're not going to do this here maybe you have to you know take a, a bit of a breather from the birthday party um you know maybe you have to do some of those things to allow for some safe expression some emotion change it up a little bit but the idea I can't be with you is really problematic. The idea that I can't handle you is really problematic. So that would be the really key thing for parents. Expression, but no repercussion to your relationship. Figure out how you're going to do that. I love Gordon Newfeld says, think of emotions kind of like his toilet training. You get to figure where, when they need to come out, you know, and so. I see. You got it. You got it. Hold it. Hold it. Okay. We're over here. Okay. Found the bathroom. All right. And sometimes you're like running uh, because you know you've got to get there quickly. But think of it that way, right? We don't say to the body, I'm going to give you a sticker. If you don't go to the bathroom, you know, like hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't ever let it come out. You're going to have a massive explosion. It doesn't work that way. So allow for the expression, make room for it make it safe. And if you want to acknowledge it, what you see, the emotion that you see, you're frustrated, uh, you're upset, you didn't get your way, communicate to the child that you get it. But don't be under any illusion that that will stop it or that will, oh, now finally my parent understands. I don't have to be so frustrated. That will not probably happen. Um, So, but what it does communicate to the child is that you see and you've heard the message, you know, right? Like when you say to someone, are you listening to me? Did you hear what I say? Because you're looking for some feedback. So when you say, I see you're frustrated, ah, okay, thank you, message has been communicated. We're trying to decrease it through expression and then coming alongside and uh, supporting it. And then, you know, as we may need to talk about it later, we're waiting for brain development to happen here. We're waiting for the child to understand their own emotions. Emotional development is as sophisticated as cognitive development. You don't expect a child who's first learning a sound to then be able to do sentences and write their own story. We've got a whole trajectory here, and it starts with expression, making room, giving it a name, and uh, and providing good conditions so that brain can grow in its capacity for self-control. Awesome. So I know this seems like a big question, (laughs) but can you tell us a little bit about what's actually happening in the child's brain? when we're having when they're having those big feelings yeah well i I mean the simplest way to look at it is you know and and dan siegel talks about the flip lid or whatever but essentially you know all mammal species have uh, an emotional part of the brain an instinctive part of the brain and the prefrontal cortex the part right up in here that that you probably feel is really tired at the end of the day when you've had to multitask and, just, you know, deal with 100 people's, you know, emotions and remember to pick up broccoli on the way home and like your prefrontal cortex is tired, like, don't ask me another question, because this is the part of the brain that does all that. Um, you know, impulse control, thinking things through, um, not reacting right away. And so what's happening in a child's brain under the five to six years of age is that that part of the brain is not fully developed. So they oftentimes are acting out of instinct and out of impulse and out of emotion. It's primal, primal, right? It's It's like any other mammal species, right? Like your dog, cat, you know, horse, whatever it might be. My my dogs have had, how many deliveries have we had to the front door for Amazon? Have they ever yet in their seven years of life ever been killed by anyone or hurt by anyone who's come to the front door? The answer is no. And yet yeah. the action is primal and it's still the same. They don't have a prefrontal cortex. Uh, but we do so there's and there's that growth that happens that knits together the emotions and so the learning happens so the nor the not oh it's just that okay and so you're, you've got this reflective capacity so you want to go and strike oh, I'll get into trouble and the brain starts to provide the answers by the mixing of emotion the brain starts to integrate and the brain integrates most fully through uh, well the brain integrates so it starts to communicate and network. Five to seven years of age, or seven to nine for more sensitive kids. And that process they're tracking the myelination and the renovation of the brain up to 20, 23, 21 is still really quite active in terms of um, uh, organization of the brain. So they're immature. They can't handle the load. It's overwhelming and it needs to come out. And even when you have. Brain integration, a prefrontal cortex that can handle the mixing of feelings and thoughts. Is there any one of us that hasn't lost our mix? Is there any one of us that hasn't been on temper? This is why did I say that? I know better. And that just bleh, came out of my mouth on top of that person. I was unfiltered. I didn't think twice. I spoke from my emotion instead of my thinking. And you realize, right? I, I, I was with an um, teaching the other day and I was with an elder, elder Linda and she said the longest journey is from the head to the heart and just that connection you know that tempering to speak from that place where things are dialed in together kids under the age of 5 to 7 that's not even connected in their brains so
0: yeah yeah that i mean that's exactly it right and even though our brains are are there as as parents are, are developed you know what do i do if i, I am too triggered my my kids big emotions you know it it does happen we we as adults even though we can integrate it don't always do it what what should we do
1: yeah well if you get that sense oftentimes you know I, I think being aware that um we are immature is really helpful and the more mature you think you are and the more immature you realize you actually really are like it, because maturity actually really helps you see your faults a lot better you know and not faults but challenges and so I think being aware that we will be faced with limits and that we have to try to parent within our own limits if you're highly sensitive as a parent that's something to consider if you have a really if you're doing shift work if you're going through a period of stress if you've gone through your own loss if you're trying to parent I don't know like in a pandemic um you know you might think oh I, I think My emotional system might be a little taxed right now. The thing about parents, and this is incredible, is that when you are in the position of taking care of somebody else, you actually don't feel your vulnerable feelings as much because you're in a caretaking mode. If you're truly in that mode where you feel you are the answer to another person's life and well-being, your emotions will get muted because that's nature's way of ensuring survival somebody else is to make sure your focus is on them so you take care of your kids and then your husband or whoever comes home and they haven't taken all the garbage and all of a sudden you're like why did i marry you like you don't even take (laughs) out garbage and he's like is this really about what's wrong with you I'm not not sure this is about garbage. Hold on a second. I have to have a conversation with myself. I literally got mad at my husband. He built me a raised bed to put like vegetables in when over the pandemic. And then he had the audacity to suggest that I grow potatoes in that garden. I was like, excuse me. I'm just like, whoa, I don't think this is about potatoes. I have to go talk to myself. Like, I need to figure out. Because as parents, like you think you're doing so well because you're taking care of your kids, but realize that there is a whole emotional current, you know, underneath the iceberg, there's a lot of water and there's a lot of current, there's a lot going on. So take yourself to your places where you have an end of the day, or places in your day where you can gather yourself, you can reflect, you can just touch a little bit about how you're feeling. Remember that when your children's emotions are activated, they're going to activate yours. Try not to act from that unfiltered place. Hold on to your feelings. It's okay that you have them. Don't feel like you're the most horrible, rotten parent. You know Your child's so unlucky to have you because you've all of a sudden don't like something about this whole experience. Like, my goodness, don't try to make it, you know, cut it out of you. You can't expect that from your child. Don't expect it from you. Our job is not to stop feeling it's just not to act from a place of being putting unfiltered emotions onto them so take yourself to your places where you have play where you have your tears where you can have some reflection at the end of the day try to gather your feelings if you can it's really important for us too because otherwise they build up and someone's going to get the end of that Um, and it may be our children the last people that can handle it or that we often want to put it on, so it's emotional self care for us, uh, so that we can be able to take care of our kids. But is it going to trigger you? Yes. Don't have kids if you don't want to be emotionally triggered. My goodness, they they reveal exactly where you're immature. Hmm.
0: They you know that button, right?
1: Somehow they just seem to find it.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're mini you usually, yes, so you see know, yourself in right? there. <laughs>
1: Well, who knows, you know, it's not hard, I I realized after many years of working in this area and research around attachment and development that we would not survive without grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I'm not talking about any kind of particular religious definition of that, but just the idea of grace that we are imperfect forgiveness when we blow it and caring enough about the other person to hang in there. And mercy for ourselves and others and realize that we are imperfect. And so relationships don't work without those, you know, we do have to do repair sometimes with our kids and our other, you know, relationships. I'm sorry I lost you, uh, you know, I'm sorry I lost my temper with you about the potatoes. It's not about potatoes. I'm having a hard time and this just came out and Well, that's okay. I figured it was that anyway. Yeah, you know me well enough now, don't you? Okay, grace, mercy, forgiveness. And so, you know, we oftentimes do wash up on each other's shores in a very imperfect way. And, and that's what love is, is when someone sticks around, even when they see you at your worst. So not that we give that to our kids, we try to, you know, show up as best as we can, but um, they show up poorly often, (laughs) because of their even greater immaturity. And so grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So be patient with yourself and your big emotions. Be glad that you have them in many ways. It, it means you're alive.
0: Well, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Beautiful way to uh, let you go, Deborah, and to finish this podcast. Deborah, where can we find you?
1: Uh, my website, macmara.ca, or uh, social media. I'm on the usual uh, business there.
0: Thank you so much, Deborah, for joining us for our 200th episode. We want to express our gratitude to you, our incredible listeners, and the experts who have shared their incredible wisdom along the way. Stay tuned for more engaging conversation and cheers to 200 episode of Mom Talk. Of course, you can find us on all the podcast platform and at mom-talk.ca. See you soon for 201. 201-